to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. You drink one drink, two drink, three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. St. Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blinking, those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. Welcome to Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. It's Anthony and Glenn, and we are finally back. Glenn, you tried. I, I'm just putting this on you uh, to postpone this episode of the podcast for as long as possible. But we are finally here to talk about Better Call Saul, Season 6, Episode 13, the series finale, Saul Gone. And it was exactly what I was expecting. I don't know if it was exactly what you were expecting, but uh, I mean, in more than one way, but in the vaguest general sense, a bittersweet ending to uh, a show that was essentially bittersweet kind of from the beginning as well. Uh, we got the answers to all of our questions and uh, we'll, we'll go into a little more detail about how they wrapped up things. But first, a vaguely laid out paragraph that will quickly rush us through this oh-so-precious of episodes. In separate flashbacks, Saul asks Mike and Walter about their regrets. Another flashback shows Chuck asking Jimmy whether he ever considered a different path in life. Meanwhile, in 2010, Cinnabon Jean is caught and arrested after the uh, <laughs> the whole uh, hullabaloo with Marion and the life alert and Ask Jeeves and all that stuff. He tries to get away, but is eventually busted. He enlists his former rival, Bill Oakley, as his co-counsel, which... He kind of is. He's large. He's largely there to just tell Jimmy, uh, no, please don't do this. But Jimmy essentially asks or acts as the head counsel, of course. And he manages to negotiate a deal for only seven years in prison, claiming to be a victim of Walt's schemes. He also offers to confess to Howard's death, only to learn that Kimmy has already done so, which sets off a switch in Saul's mind. He's extradited to Albuquerque for his trial, but on the way there, he lies about his new testimony uh, in front of a security guard. So uh, it's not protected by client, uh, like lawyer client confidentiality or whatever. And the news gets to Kim as he knew it would, which uh, gets her to appear in court, and then he admits in court his full involvement in Walt's empire and Chuck's suicide, reverts to using the name James McGill, and is instead handed an 86-year sentence. Jimmy is recognized as Saul in prison and enjoys the notoriety he has among his fellow inmates. 
Kim will eventually visit him. The two share a cigarette. And as she leaves, Jimmy makes his signature finger gun gesture at her. And the end, Glenn. What did you think of the finale of Better Call Saul? That was great. um, I could understand people thinking it was a little too convenient, but I also... To a degree. But it it made the most sense, right? We talked about it. Mm -hmm. Like, did we necessarily want Jimmy to die? No, because we didn't view him in the same way that Walter was. Sure. Do you want him to get away with it completely? Eh, not really, because we needed to show some kind of remorse that he had. Yes. So I felt like you kind of got a combination. Because like you said, when he talked it down to seven, I mean, just, oh my goodness. Genius. Again, you know, and that, like. And that's like the hustle, right? You know, 100%. this guy who went to American Samoa, blah, 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 you know, was able to get his sentencing down just because of pure desperation on a bunch of Ivy leagues across the yes. the table, you know? Yeah. And I mean, this show ended in the only way it could have, which is logically, there was no other way that, I mean, it was pretty predictable. I think we both discussed some similar scenario to this in the last episode of the podcast we did. It was pretty clear to see what was happening. I think the only real question here was going to be, uh, did or does Kim go to jail too? And it it felt like the most logical scenario is, you know, Jimmy is in love with her. He's not going to let that happen. And of course, that's exactly, you know, what occurred. He wouldn't let that happen. But the genius of it all is, you know, he gets busted and immediately, you know, he seems like, oh, my God, he's so, 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 so done for. And from the moment he's busted, he's not panicking. He knows exactly who to call. He uh, basically Bill was there to sort of just be a, I guess, to have some sort of semblance of professionalism, but, um, or so that Jimmy wasn't there on his own, or I, I don't know what it was for. Maybe just to show off to this guy because he gets there. It's just him and bill. And on the other side, it's all these other high priced lawyers and, and we, uh, we even get, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on her name. I wish I'd watched the episode. Betsy <laughs> Brandt, Betsy Brand making a uh, return character name. Yes. Uh, the, the wife, uh, that was such a good touch because it's like I never would have thought of it, mm-hmm. but it again, like you said, it makes the most sense. Like, yeah, she is like the only one of the show. Who, I mean, you know, obviously, probably, obviously suffered the most, but no, but I mean, but her, definitely was up there. You know, she lost her husband. Yeah, so she was and back I playing guess the sister in a way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she is back playing Marie Schrader the wife of Hank. And uh, so we get a little bit of that, right? And uh, she has... It was interesting with her talking about Hank, though, where she's like, he yeah. was sweet, he did this, and it's like, that wasn't Hank. I mean, he was a good cop. He didn't deserve to mm. die the way he did. But, like, it, it, it I thought... 
that was an interesting way to have this you know it's almost like a criticism right it's when someone mm-hmm. dies you know you don't want to necessarily criticize them you don't think about the negatives right yeah you you just think accentuate about the positive. positives yeah yeah uh but so you know he's got all these things against him and it's almost like i think they almost comically do like a smash cut to like three hours later and he's got them reading off a list of his demands back to him. He's only going to serve seven years. He's not going to go to this hard-ass prison. He's going to go to this laid-back, white-collar prison. And he's going to, you know, he wants this, like, chocolate. <laughs> what is it that he wants? Mint chocolate chip from Bluebell. <laughs> yes, he wants a specific ice cream, like, once a week. Uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> and... You know, because basically when they walk in and they lay down the law to him, he starts talking and he's giving this heartfelt story about, you know, terrified of Walter White. He only did what he did because he was, you know, horrified of this man. You know, they took me out to the desert and there was a. Uh, a hole in the ground and he had a gun to my head, which by the way is all true. He's taking some real elements yeah, of this. Nothing that he said was a lie besides yeah. the motivation. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Marie doesn't buy it for a second, by the way, and none of the other people are buying it. And then immediately, you know, his, his uh, posture and uh, tone change and everything. And he's like, yeah, but I only need one person in the jury to buy it. And that's when they're like, shit, he's right. <laughs> like, and they start dealing with him. And the next thing you know, this guy who should be going to prison for the rest of his life, they've got him down to like under 10 years, like an unbelievable uh, thing. And then as he's trying to get more, right. Uh, he thinks that he can crack them with, you know, giving up the details on Howard Hamlin's death only to then find out as we discussed that, uh, Kim fessed up to all of that stuff prior. And that's when it hit, you know, like, Oh my God, something bad is going to happen to Kim. And that's when he concocts a brand new plan to get her to show up. And then he's just going to confess to everything. Say Kim had nothing to do with anything. Literally then for the first time in a long, long time, he just goes on a spiel where he for once just does nothing but tell the truth about everything. And he's like, I was scared, but only for a little bit until I realized the opportunity and how much money I was going to make. And that's all I cared about. And he told the truth about his brother and he told, you know, the only lie that he told really was that Kim had nothing to do with anything. Uh, So for once he lied, but to help someone he cared about not to help himself or anything else like, you know, he, he went back to referring to himself as James McGill. It was perfect. It could not have been bookended any better for that character. Like he ended as good of a person as he humanly could have ended up as. And, you know, obviously there's all the, uh, notoriety he was getting right from being recognized as better call Saul. But even that felt a little bittersweet to me. Like, you know, I think he appreciated the, the notoriety to a degree, but it's also like, 
you know, all of that stuff is a part of, you know, he just did this. He was, you know, he wasn't doing this to help bad people. He was doing it because they were, you know, uh, a way to continue cons. Yeah. They're desperate people. It was an easy way for him to get money. It was an easy way for him to continue to do the thing that he loved doing, which was essentially conning people into, you know, believing things that weren't true, essentially like that's all, you know, he was hooked on doing, he was just a habitual liar. And this was the moment in the show where he finally got to be just honest James McGill for the first time in a really long time. And I thought that was done great. I thought the stuff with him and Kim at the end could not have been more bittersweet. Uh, They left, uh, they left unsaid things unsaid, which is the hardest pill to swallow because you know me, I was hoping for like the romantic in me was really hoping for something at the end, but they didn't give it to me. But honestly, uh, it they feels give you like... a little bit of a teaser. She didn't lose her license. No, no, she's still law. practicing. So she she's his lawyer, essentially. Yeah. Right. Uh, which gives her the ability to go visit him, which presumably she will continue to do. But yeah, it's uh bittersweet but and help him get his sentence down mm-hmm. and look because it looks like he's going to be quite the model citizen in a hundred percent yeah pretty easy hundred percent and you know the crazy thing is uh these are the hardest episodes to make series finales are easily the toughest thing to make it's impossible to please everybody and they're really hard to write good ones and this was as perfect as they come because it ended exactly how it should have following this show's logic. There's no other way this show really could have ended. It ended pretty much perfectly. I'd say I I really don't have any complaints about this episode. There was nothing major that happened in it, uh, except for the big Saul speech, of course. But other than that, it was relatively low key, which does sort of fit with the Breaking Bad mold, uh, like the, the final episode of Breaking Bad, also, you know, I it famously its episodes preceding the series finale were far, far, you know, bigger in a lot of ways than the actual finale. But yeah, that's kind of par for the course. Um, any other thoughts or continued thoughts on the finale, Glenn? Yeah, kind of going back, we mentioned earlier. I liked. You know, having Marie there, but then also, uh, not so much the Walter White cameo, which, damn, I nailed that from the fucking beginning of the show, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, he is right. You know, you you again, it's been a while since we've seen a show, and I know we're gonna review it sometime in the future. Yes, but just having that mirror held up to breaking bad of yeah you know walter did get lucky a lot you know and it was these people like gus in a way did protect him from things and uh, saul certainly got his ass out of trouble more than once Mm -hmm. uh so it is true like he you know walter was this genius chemist but you know his personality was so volatile because he just had to prove everything to everyone 
and not in a slick way that Saul did. You know, Saul knew how to cover his tracks when he pro- when he had to prove something to somebody and he could get away with it. Whereas Walter was very destructive. You know, he was definitely living up to the you know revenge doesn't just hurt the person that you're out for revenge, but the person who is dishing out the revenge. You know, yeah. uh, it was a double edged sword. So I like that juxtaposition of it of of seeing more of the collateral damage, kind of like what we got in El Camino. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that I thought that was good. I I was a little bit surprised that they didn't have Walt Jr. just because. Um, I get not having Skyler, you know, she made her deal, whatever, but he was also kind of an innocent ca- caught in the crossfire. Yeah. I thought that was a little interesting, but yeah, I like the, I like the Marie stuff. Cause that makes so much sense. You know, she's kind of the forgotten one and, you know, as, as much as we all love the Ozymandias episode, you know, you don't really think of Hank as being a victim so much, uh, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, so writer and director, Mr. Gould, he uh, said that he wanted, uh, at one point, wanted to bring back Patrick Fabian, Giancarlo Esposito, and Michael Mando for this episode. And he also wanted to bring in Anna Gunn, RJ Mitty, and Dean Norris as well. Well, then that would have just turned into the Seinfeld finale then. Right. He said, however, wanting to avoid a, quote, overstuffed epic, he and the writing staff basically just did not incorporate them into the finale. So... Um, I, I get the feeling, you know, I get the wanting to do that. Right. But, um, especially somebody like Michael Mando, uh, I mean, Patrick Fabian, sure. But Michael Mando was such a standout in this season and he wasn't, you know, he was only in the first half of the season, but holy cow, his stuff was so great. I mean, he was great throughout this show, but yeah, he he really stood. I could get wanting to bring him back for one more moment as well, and I get wanting to bring in at least some of the other characters to a degree. But um, you know, even if you just had like Walt's wife and son sitting in the courtroom or something, I think that would have been that would have been okay. Like they didn't have to have lines or anything, but like yeah. them being there would have made sense to a degree. Um, you know, I guess that she probably wouldn't want it. I would imagine that Marie just wouldn't want them there. So that would, that's true. You know, you know. that's also true. Um, so yeah, here's the sad thing. Uh, in the weeks leading up to the finale, Vince Gilligan stated that the episode would likely be the last entry in the breaking bad franchise. And I mean, we don't need more, right? We didn't really need this show, but I'm so happy we got it. Uh, he said uh, this will be the last and en- he believes this is likely the last entry in the franchise as he and Gould are both ready to move on to new stories. Gould will later acknowledge that by the premiere of Breaking Bad's finale, he and Gilligan were already working on the spinoff, but when Better Call Saul's finale aired, the two were working separately on new projects. So already something brewing from them. Uh, but separately, not together, and unbreaking bad related. But uh, whatever it is, I'm definitely here for it, and especially whatever Gilligan's working on, uh, I'm going to be interested in going forward. Uh, but yeah, do you have any final thoughts on Saul? I guess some of the uh, it won't be entirely sad because I think the plan is in fact to continue 
talking about going back and rewatching Breaking Bad. So uh, we're not going to be done at least talking about this universe in podcast form. So at least that's a little bit of silver lining. But final thoughts on Better Call Saul. What would you give the finale episode, Glenn? I give the finale a, a four and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was perfect in every little way. But, you know, I, I will just dock it a little bit just just for the convenience of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing just wowed me as far as, like, shock, you know. Yeah. Oh, but that's fine. No, I get it. Yeah, 100%. I went, I mean, I docked mine a little bit, too. I went four and three quarters. Uh, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it was perfect. It was a perfect finale, that sort of thing. But in a, as an episode in a vacuum, that sort of thing, it was, you know, on the er it was like on the, the verge of perfection as an episode, as a finale to a show, I, it's hard to get better than that. It made all the logical connection points that you would expect it to. And that is some people will complain that prediction like that is a bad thing, but I don't think that that's always the case. I mean, the, to, to change anything else just for the sake of change would have been stupid. Uh, this, this ended exactly how it should have ended, I think. So, um, cause you can't have Jimmy get away with it as tempting as that is, uh, you know, like that's probably not what would end up happening. Like he's good at what he does, uh, clearly, but, uh, eventually all roads, even, even in the best case scenario, he would have still had to serve almost a decade in prison. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But for all what he did, that's, a no, no, it's insane. (laughs) No, it's incredibly insane. And then bringing in Marie after knowing what the deal was. I mean, God, I could, I mean, she, oh man, I can't imagine. She had to sit there and watch him like almost slink away with all of this. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty incredible. And, and, you know, obviously it's the, uh, it's the, it was the true test. It ended up becoming the true test of his love for Kim Wexler because he's offered essentially the, the scam of a lifetime right? Like, you know, he, he accepts this plea deal. He goes down in the history books. You know what I mean? Like, you know, who else could do this? His name will be remembered forever. And at the end of the day, he chooses to help the person he loves and cares about more than himself. And I thought that was, I thought that was perfect. I'm, I'm almost going to talk myself into giving this a five, but I'm going to steadfast at four and three quarters. Uh, Glenn. So, uh, yeah, so that is that everybody look at that Glenn six years, just thrown out the window, all of that work. And now it's already gone. <laughs> um, although it feels like it's been more than six years, maybe it's been seven. I feel like they took like a whole year off or something or close to it. Um, it's been a long time. So, uh, but a, a, a great journey. Where would you say this ranks for you among your, uh, like, obviously we've had the discussion before about where this ranks for breaking bad. Um, and I feel like a long time ago, I think we both decided that we actually like this better than breaking bad. But, you know, when we go back and look through, uh, breaking bad again, maybe we'll change our minds, but we'll have the added context of the show as well on top of it. But in general, 
for like television shows, where does this, where do you think this sort of ranks for you? I know it's a little early. You don't have a whole lot of time to, to, to yeah, kind of I don't over know it, about where it ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just say it's for me, definitely top five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I can comfortably sure. say that as well. You know, it's like, for me, it's like this, uh, Bojack Horseman, mm-hmm. um, Deadwood, as short as that was, I, I think Deadwood's probably got some of the best writing, period, like mm-hmm. ever. Um, just the the f- dialogue in that is so great. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, to me, those are kind of the three that come to mind as just like the best of the best as far as television goes to me is yeah. those three that I can think of just off top of my head. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, mine, it would be in my top five as well. And it sounds like this is going to be the season where they finally win awards. Right. So they've already won some critics association awards. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ray Seahorn's already won. Bob Odenkirk has won. The show has won there. Um, they, uh, and they are, uh, presumably, uh, well, no, not presumably they are up for, uh, primetime creative arts Emmys, uh, the, and of course the primetime Emmys and, uh, the Saturn awards as well, which I thought Saturn awards were like a sci-fi. Yeah. That's what I thought too, but maybe it's nominated there. Um, they, well, I mean, they've got best net, best network or cable action slash thriller, which I guess better call Saul might eke into thriller territory. Yeah. At times. Yeah. It can definitely do. It can, it, well, I mean, it can be thrilling. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it's very action oriented, but, yeah. um, you know, they, they do have some vague categories for the Saturn awards, apparently like best actor, in a network or cable TV series. So, uh, which Bob Odenkirk and Racy Horn are both nominated. And, uh, Jonathan Banks, Tony Dalton, Patrick Fabian, and Michael Mando were also all nominated for best supporting actor there. So, um, but for the Emmys, of course, Racy Horn got her nominee, uh, her nomination for outstanding supporting actress, which, um, yeah, I guess. Like, she feels to me like less of a supporting actress and more of a lead in the show. Like, she feels like a co-lead with Bob Odenkirk. That's just, I guess the, you know, how they do stuff to, you know, to try and think what they can get the best chance at winning an award. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the show's nominated, got a bunch of nominations. I presume a lot of wins will probably be coming their way, so... Yeah, it's their swan song. Yeah, and they'll probably get nominated again next year, too. Uh, yeah, because the, the second half is technically not in this voting category. Yeah, so all of that stuff happening there, and good for them. I'm glad they're going to get some recognition, so uh, that's excellent. And people tuned in for the series finale. It got almost 2 million viewers uh, and did a 0.47 rating, which is really good. Uh, so yeah, good for them. Like, I'm, I'm glad people decided to tune in for the end of the show, but, uh, yeah, excellent stuff. And I guess from here on out, Glenn, we're moving backwards in time to talk about breaking bad. I don't know how you want to do this. Do you want to do two episodes at a time? I feel like that'll make it go a little bit. 
quicker. Um, but we could oh, do we can, one. We could do one yeah. at a time too. It's up to you. No, I'd rather. I'd rather do like maybe. Yeah, two. Two seems good. Okay. Um, th- so that will be the plan. Uh, going forward and in the meantime while you wait for that dear listener you can head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show of course this is a listener supported podcast and there are a couple ways you can help out there if you'd like we have a patreon patreon.com slash cinemageekly we have the merch store geeklymerch.com links for those will be in the show notes for this episode and of course you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible, anywhere good podcasts are found. Just search for Better Talk Saul, hit subscribe, and that way you can join us next time because there will be a next time indeed where Glenn and I will start to review Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2 of Breaking Bad. Stick it to the man, justice for all. You heard me, you better call